Welcome back, Clocks on the Stove, episode 101. Finally, triple digits. Crazy. Go check out episode 100. Uh, spent a lot of work and a lot of preparation getting that one done. We got with you today college football week two for anything that you missed in college football week one. Oh, no, excuse me. We have with you college football week three. Anything you missed in college football week two, go check out our TikTok. Zach gave a whole one-minute breakdown on everything you should have seen. Your usual host, myself, Grayson Fisher, with me, the one and only Zachary Watts. Yeah. Let's dive on. Um, We're in that weird state of, like, dog shit games until October hits. So there's not any – I'm going to be honest, there's not a single game we're going to go over today that is like, hold your horses. Um, but nonetheless, it's college football, and I'll take shitty college football over no college football any day of the week. Yes. Um, Our first game, at noon on ESPN, we have the number 14 LSU Tigers going to Mississippi State. LSU coming in at a minus nine and a half. I think this is actually a very fun game. Um. I see it going two ways. I see LSU going in there. You know, before I even go into this, we need to remember Mississippi State is not an easy place to win at. You know, they got the freaking cowbell going on. You know, they're playing big this year because of Mike Leach. Um, they're, it's not an easy environment to do well in. And we've also seen Mississippi State have previous success against uh, greater LSU teams. I think this game goes two ways. I think LSU goes in there and beats the brakes off of them. And they prove, like, just because we lost to Florida State doesn't mean we need to be getting all this slander. Because I'm going to be honest, I've been seeing a lot of LSU slander on my social media feeds. Or I think it's a trap game. Mississippi State pulls it out. I could so see it. Um, I'm going to get names correct before I go into it. Will Rogers is is having himself a season. He's 33 for 40, 46, 389 yards and five touchdowns. I mean – they're a good team. They're playing with the why. And we already talked about this. When you have a purpose for something that you're doing, it, it it makes you believe in it. And it makes you low-key achieve things that you shouldn't have achieved. Do I think this is a bad Mississippi State team? No. Do I think it's one of the better ones we've seen in the previous years? No. I just think I could see it being a trap game. Overall, though, I'm going to take LSU. I'm just going to take a money line. I don't know if they're going to win by 10. I'm just going to go with LSU money line. Also, the over-under is 54.5. I forgot to mention that. Yeah, the way I kind of look at this game, I think LSU definitely has like a prove-it type of scenario for themselves. Um, You know, with their loss in week one to FSU, a lot of people were stuck on the fence between is FSU like criminally underrated or was LSU just that overhyped coming into the season? And honestly, I don't think it was – either really i mean i am leaning more towards the side of i just don't think people gave fsu the respect with the transfers that they got and how much they've improved um maturity wise but for lsu side of things you know Jaden daniels is still the guy um i don't see any reason that would point to anything else i saw a lot of people calling for him to be benched for the backup i don't think the backup can play any better in my opinion i don't know why people think that switching a quarterback that's proved himself would somehow fix your scenario in that sense um, but for Mississippi State, you know, this is a big game for them because, you know, they were fortunate enough to get a win over Arizona, but they needed five turnovers to win an overtime against Arizona. And no disrespect to Arizona, but if you look at um, Mississippi State's next couple games, they face LSU this week, they go to South Carolina, and then they play Alabama at home. So their schedule doesn't get any easier from there, and it's not really 
doing them any favors. So this is kind of the best case scenario where they can play a better team in the SEC. They play some top line competition and they kind of see where they fit in the scheme of things within the SEC. Um, unfortunately, I do think SEC is going to take it to them. I don't think Mississippi State's offense can technically go blow for blow. If this was a heavyweight boxing match, um, LSU's probably closer to Tyson Fury than Mississippi State is. And that, that's just how it is. Yeah, I want to uh, piggyback off your Jaden Daniels thing. Jaden Daniels wasn't the reason they lost to Florida State. If anything, he's the reason they stayed alive in that game. Um, he He's very good. He's 40 for 61, 615 yards with six touchdowns and one pick. Pretty not bad at football, Zach. The, the other thing, too, is I like what you said with the heavyweights, I, and I kind of agree with you. It's going to get – the way I see this game is LSU, and it's going to be a close first first part of the game. I don't know, first quarter, first half, where it's going to be like 14-14. And then as LSU keeps scoring, Will Rogers is going to have to do what I call too much in order to keep them alive, and that's where mistakes come, and that's where turnovers come, and that's where sloppy play comes. I just think weapons for weapons, and even, in no disrespect, coaching level – the the coach from Mississippi State is he, this is his first time ever being a head coach. He was defense coordinator that got promoted due to the fact that Mike Leach passed away. Rest in peace to a fucking legend. But that's the only reason why. I I just think that LSU is gonna gonna go out there and get the job done. Yeah. The last thing I'll really say about this game is you know Florida State showed LSU respect to their front seven by coming out the gates with a pass heavy attack, and that wasn't because they wanted to catch them off guard or kind of surprise them. They knew what LSU had with their front seven, you know, they're, they're all conference linebackers escaping my brain right now, but he's a weapon in the oh, middle geez. and he can work sideline to sideline. Um, His name will come to me later, but you know, I just don't think Mississippi state is going to be able to re- to rely on their run game enough to slow the game down. Now, look, I know the pace of play has really changed within college football with the new rules. And I know advertising has become a big issue. But, you know, teams aren't getting as many offensive drives. But when you're going up against a team like LSU, they can rely on the big play. Omar Speeds? No, I'm thinking of the other linebacker. What's his name? Uh, Greg Penn? No. Maybe it is Speeds. Oh, Perkins? Perkins, Perkins. Perkins, yeah. Yeah, yeah Perkins is a stud. Harold um, Perkins, he's a sophomore, number four. Yeah, but the only way you're going to be able to slow LSU down is if you're able to manage the game clock when the ball's in your possession. But the problem is you're not going to be able to do that by running the ball against this front seven. Your O-line is not better than LSU's. I'm sorry. Like, I, this isn't, like, some surprise to you, and it shouldn't catch you off guard. They're going to put pressure on you and all phases of the game, and you just got to find a way to stick through it. Like, you got to roll with the punches. You got to find a way to fight back. But ultimately, I do see LSU winning by a couple of scores. Um, They'll probably end up covering. But – You know, like you said earlier, this is one of those weeks in college football where we're not yet into our conference schedule and teams want to kind of bolster up uh, on their win totals earlier in the year. So that way, come end of the season, you know, they kind of look upon their record more favorably. And hopefully that the teams they lose to now or beat now will end up playing better down the road. Um, Unfortunately for Mississippi State, you have a juggernaut like fairly early, but you got away with two games earlier again between like it wasn't monmouth it was like uh yeah it was somebody uh it, it was some weird team uh if i'm not mistaken at oh southeastern louisiana yeah, yeah. great tune-up game then you played arizona had your defense bail you out with five turnovers which i doubt you're going to replicate in this game but i digress yeah our next game is another sc matchup actually i think four of our games three of our games are sc matchups we have the university of south carolina 
going to Athens, Georgia to play against the Georgia Bulldogs. Georgia Bulldogs, the number one team in the country. The over-under is 54-and-a-half, and Georgia comes in at a minus 27-and-a-half favorites. Wow. Um, I don't have too, too many things to say. My first thing is this is not the same Georgia team we've seen in the past two seasons thus far. Thus far. We're in week three. I'm not I, – I hate the short mindset of college football fans. Thus far, going into week three, I have not seen the same – output on offense and and dog of defense that we have from the previous two national championship Georgia teams. Not a, not really sold on Carson Beck. I don't think he's that legit either, but I think the weapons around him are so good that it doesn't really matter. Spencer Rattler's doing better with the turnovers, which is good, you know, good for him. I don't think he's thrown any picks so far this year uh with three touchdowns. He does still make some of the dumbest mistakes I've ever seen, but in their loss to UNC, which was not a good good loss, he actually wasn't the reason they lost that game. He played pretty decent. What's going to kill South Carolina in this game is their O-line is dog shit. Yeah. Dog. They made UNC's front seven look like last year's Georgia defense. Yeah. They're, I mean, even if they keep up for a quarter, they cannot keep up with this Georgia defense for four quarters. Spencer Rattler's going to have to be running for his life. Um, shout out Xavier Leggett, though. Leggett that, Miles. Boy, that boy's eating this season, dude. 15 receptions, 296 yards, and a tutty. Shout out Leggett. I think he won like receiver of the year last or excuse me, receiver of the of the week last week. Um, you know, but with this Georgia team, they have so many weapons. South Carolina's defense isn't bad. I just don't think they have man for man, mano y mano, the line that um Georgia does. They're going to get no pressure on on Beck. And when in doubt, you just give it to Brock Bowers, you know. Um, I I don't know if I can take Georgia minus 27 and a half. I'm going to just stick with Georgia money line because that's a lot of points. But I do think Georgia goes out there and, and manhandles them. I could honestly see it being like a 30-0 game. And it's at Georgia at 330 on CBS. I forgot to mention that. Um, I don't see – I can't even come up with a hypothetical to how South Carolina could win this game because their O-line is just atrocious. Yeah, I got to admit, look, Spencer Radler's played out of his mind so far this season. He's completing passes at an 83% rate, which is just ungodly. That's some NCAA numbers that you would see from a video game. Um, but the problem is that's really hard to replicate against a two-time defending national championship team that hasn't lost in over – two almost three years now i think another issue we have that you brought up is spencer rather got sacked nine times against unc nine times which just is unacceptable there's no way you can win a football game like that they say if your quarterback is getting pressured like for like over 35 percent of the time that's you know that's a problem if he's getting pressured over 45 percent of the time that's non-viable that means you're not able to really rely on your quarterback to win you a game but if he's getting pressured like at a 70 80 percent clip you have no chance yeah this is not this ain't yeah. seven on seven brother yeah this, this, this is not something where you can just be like oh we can get a big player two or here because georgia is gonna get the big player two here and you're gonna have to find a way to work around that what i will say that kind of helps south carolina in their favor is georgia's safety uh ballard is not able to go he's one of the top players on that team he did suffer an ankle injury last week so he's not able to go in this game so that will help kind of take or alleviate some pressure over the top the problem is, are they going to give Spencer Rattler enough time to take deep shots? 
And I, I just simply don't think so. If you're game planning for deep shots throughout the game, I just think that's a terrible idea. You got to kind of set them up and kind of catch them off guard. And I just don't see that happening. Um, I don't see the O-line giving him enough time to throw a deep ball. Dude, I don't see him giving him enough time to snap the ball. Like, yeah, it, like you would he was living in the backfield and their front seven is not Georgia. Yeah, you know, as much as I hate to watch it, you may have to adapt to some form of Willie Taggart just screen and run for your life. Hand off throw, hand off throw, hand off throw, side, 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 run. Yeah, like if you were running like an RPO system, you would just die. Like you'd be like, and oh, yeah. there's a D end to my face. Like that, that's kind of how it'd be. But you know, I I don't want to say this is gonna be Spencer Rattler's like come to earth moment. Cause I mean, look, it's just not physically possible to keep up with 83% completion percentage throughout a year. It's just not possible. I'm sorry. And you know, that's not to discredit him in any way, but you know, he's made the right reads up till now, but Kirby smart is a great coach and he's going to throw schemes at you that you haven't seen before. And unlike other teams where, you know, you can work through your progressions. If your first read isn't there, you probably already have a defensive end breathing down your neck. So, you know, I am leaning toward Georgia covering this. However, I wouldn't throw any money on it. It's just too big of a spread to even think about. But we may be looking at a shutout for South Carolina, unfortunately, unless Leggett, Leggett Miles somebody. Yeah, th- their only chance to win this game is Leggett Miles. <laughs> yeah, that, that is the only way I even see this going down, and I don't see that happening at all. It's just not possible. Our next game is another 3.30 game. This one is on ESPN. Oh, someone, sorry, somebody just sent me a weird text message. Um. Anyways, sorry. Back to retraining thought. Uh, ESPN three thirty. We have this is a very interesting matchup because it's two teams have never thought would have like played each other. We have the Minnesota Golden Gophers going across the country, not really like kind of like halfway to go to UNC play the number twenty Tar Heels. UNC coming in at a minus seven and a half favorite over under is set at fifty one. I'm gonna be honest. Um, I do think UNC wins this game. I think the margin of victory is much, much smaller than we think. I um, We look at what UNC struggles with, right? And it's it's that they can get bullied in, in the trenches. App State didn't. You know, they, they have holes in their game where I think a Big Ten team might be a little too much for them. I think they're going to go out there and try to speedster their way through things. And it's going to cause for some – I mean, Drake May, it, he throws dots, but he also throws shit passes too. Um, So I, I think that this Minnesota defense is very good. They can't score worth a shit on offense though, which is where I think they're going to struggle because this UNC defense is actually – I wouldn't say legit, but they're better than they've been the last two years under Mac Brown. Um, I do think though P.J. Flex is going to come out with some sort of game plan. I see it being a super low-scoring first half. And then UNC starts maybe getting their rhythm in the second half. But I do think stylistically, this is not a good matchup for UNC. Yeah, I agree. I think one of the most surprising things this season that a lot of people didn't expect was UNC's rushing attack. You know, I think they're ninth ranked nationally in their ground game. I think they're averaging like 245 rushing yards per game, which is a surprising thing to see. And, you know, that's not to say that Drake May has regressed, even though he kind of hasn't lived up to the same hype he did last year. You know, he threw 38 touchdowns last year, and so far this year he has two touchdowns and two picks. Um, I think another thing to look at is, you know, we did bring up that UNC got nine sacks in their first game against South Carolina. They had no sacks 
last game. But I think most of that kind of comes down to their coverage being a little lackluster. You know, their defensive coordinator came out and said that we had a little holes in our coverage, which allowed their quarterback to get the ball out fast and where he needed to, which was bad on our part. But they were still able to get wins. I think another big part in this game, which is really going to kill Minnesota, is when you don't have an offense that can sustain drives and keep your defense off the field, you really need to count on your defense to kind of stop the other team when they need to. Problem is UNC is one of the best teams in the country when it comes to converting on third downs. They're converting at like a 61% rate on third downs right now. They're really taking it to teams. They're really able to keep themselves on the field. And I think a big part of that is because they're so balanced in their game plan. You know, the fact that they can rely on such a resilient ground game and yet still have a top level athlete in Drake May, who despite not playing his best, he's still able to win games. And he's able to say, hey, I'm able to rely on the guys around me. I don't need the spotlight, which is a huge quality to have in a quarterback, especially as talented as he is. So I really like to see that out of UNC. I'd like to see them fix up some things. You know, I really think this is an opportunity to improve on where you kind of slipped up last week because, hey, you nearly got upset by App State, but App State isn't a bad team at all. You know, they're constantly going to be on upset alert against any top team they play. They're quality coaching, quality players throughout. But for UNC to be one of the better teams in the ACC, you've got to you've got to put the weaker teams away like you've really got to set yourself apart and this has to be one of those weeks where that happens you know i'd like to see drake may get a little more um action in this one you know he's it's not to say he hasn't gotten the opportunity but you know bring out the play action you know allow drake may to really set himself apart and kind of let him win you games i know he's never going to be the guy to be like oh i want to be the one to win games you know let's win as a team effort but put the ball in his hands. He's going to do great things. He's a great quarterback prospect, and I like what I see out of him. I just wish they'd rely on him a little bit more than they are. Um, with that being said, like, it's almost like they're trying to protect him a little bit. Yeah, yeah, I think I think that's true. And, you know, given he, – he's not in his sophomore year. Last year wasn't his freshman year. This is last year. This is last year, yeah. So, um, you know, I really don't see the point why you wouldn't, you know, if he's. Oh, cool. no, I lied. He is a sophomore. He was a freshman yeah. last year. Damn. Yeah. No, he's got to be a redshirt sophomore. There's no way. Dude, I'm telling yeah, you. Yeah, no, he's a redshirt sophomore. He, he played 2021, 2022, 2023. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, the COVID year ended up like benefiting him in that regard. But still, you know, the kid's almost fully developed. Use him while you have him. You know, talent like this doesn't come around every year. So, you know, I'd like to see them use him in ways that I know he can be used. And with that being said, you know, PJ Flex is a great coach. I just think you're severely outmatched in this one. You know, it's going to be hard to keep up with the punches, especially with everything UNC has on offense. And US, UNC can really improve on the defensive side of the ball, and I think they need to show that. What are you taking? Um, I don't know. What did you say the line was at right now? Seven and a half UNC. I'll probably take UNC seven and a half. Yeah, I'm gonna take it too, but like I, I'm still gonna stay with my gut. I still think it's gonna be a closer for closer game than we expected. I think a lot of people think UNC is gonna go out there and blow them out. I don't. I just think that Minnesota's offense is not great, but their O line ain't South Carolina's O line. This is a Big Ten O line. Like this is a very solid, very well coached, big boys from the Midwest. Yeah, I agree. Um, our next game, this game. This game is going to not be fun to watch, in my opinion. We have number eight Washington going to Michigan State. Michigan State doesn't even really have a quarterback, or excuse me, a coach right now, or quarterback. Um, Mel Tucker is going in that weird not paid suspension for sexual harassment slash hazing. Don't, 
I've really looked into it, but I've heard it's not good at all. Um, whatever it is, this game's on Peacock because that's what the Big Ten does for their network now, which is brilliant. Uh, at five o'clock, another weird thing. Michael Penix Jr. fifty for Washington, fifty-seven for seventy-eight, eight hundred and fifty-nine yards with eight touchdowns and a pick. He is just playing at video game level. Uh, Washington comes in at a minus sixteen and a half. The over under is fifty-six. I think I, I'm going to honestly take Washington minus 16 and a half. I think they're going to destroy Michigan State. This Michigan State team is doo-doo. I mean, they beat Central Michigan 31 to 7, but I think it was like 14 to 7 and a half. Um, I'm pulling it up just to make sure I don't sound like a dumbass. It was, it was 10 to 7 Michigan State going into halftime. So – they obviously can't put points up, and you're playing one of the best defenses, and in my opinion, one of the best quarterbacks in, or excuse me, one of the best offenses and one of the best quarterbacks in college football. The only shot Michigan State has at winning this game is to go score for score with them, and they can't. They can't. They're going to try to slow it down and like play Big Ten football, and Michael Penix is going to score on three plays, and they're going to be like, shit, what do we do now? I, I think Washington is going to destroy them. Yeah, I agree. And let's just look at this from the standpoint of Michael Penix Jr. Look, uh, I know some recent articles have been released about him talking about the struggles he went through uh, in his life uh, early to last season when he dealt with that injury. You know, there would be times when after every player would leave the locker room, he would literally lay on the ground and just cry because he didn't know if he was going to be able to do this anymore. And he didn't know if he wanted to do it anymore. But, you know, we're always going to be rooting for a guy like that, especially because he's a Tampa boy. Um, we're always going to root for him. But let's just look at his personal success against Michigan State. When he played for Indiana, this man completed 20 straight passes and set an FBS record. In his three games he's played against Michigan State the past three years, he's 82 of 120 for 1,003 yards. <laughs> he's literally born to shred Michigan State to absolute pieces. And I think it's going to be no different. Last year when he yeah, played the Alex Pereira to yeah. Michigan State. <laughs> Literally. Last year when they played the Spartans, he won 39 to 28. And his first game ever against Michigan State, he completed the program record 20 straight completions. And this year he's leading the number one ranked offense in all of football, averaging 434 yards of total offense. The dude is a baller. He's a stud. Any superlative you want to add to this kid's name going into this game, it is 100% stood by. And he will prove it in this game. He's one of the top quarterbacks in FBS right now. He's one of the top Heisman leaders right now. I know it's early in the season, but hey, we got to start somewhere. And he's towards the top of my list. And look, with all the thing that's going on, all the things that are going on in Michigan State right now, there is like a lot of question marks. And I didn't realize this, but did you know if Mel Tucker's fired, every single player on Michigan State's roster has a 30-day window to transfer with no penalty? Yes, but they're not eligible to the next season. It would consider as a red shirt this year. That's fine. No, that, I agree. I agree. I agree. I know it's still sick. Yeah. Yeah. But I thought, way, when I first read it, I thought they could just like go hop on to another team. And yeah. Play. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that would be super sick. But yeah, if he's fired. But do you know exactly what happened? I, I don't know. Um, yes. I heard it's very not good. So after allegations went public that he sexually harassed a rape survivor during a phone call last year. What are the details on that? Like he knew the girl or like the, all, this is what I know. This is all I know. All I know is he's, he's suspended without pay, most likely going to be fired. 
and he stated that it's all false and that he had a very adult relationship with the woman and it was all con consensual. Um, here's what I'm reading from the Associated Press. Michigan State suspended football coach Mel Tucker without pay on Sunday, less than 24 hours after allegations became public in a USA Today report. So let's open up that report and see what they said. Um, two years ago, one of the nation's star college football coaches. Um, so this man literally teamed up with the rape survivor to fight the culture of sexual violence. So he teams up with her and then there's no way. Hold on. So he, so he, so it's starting off good. He's trying to help fight this. Yes. And then over eight months, they developed a professional relationship centered on her advocacy work. Tucker invited Tracy to campus three times, twice to speak to his players and staff, once to get recognized as an honorary captain at the team's spring football game. But their relationship was upended during a phone call on April 28, 2022. Tracy says in a complaint she filed with University of Tech, Texas Title IX office in December that remains under investigation. According to the complaint, Tracy sat frozen for several minutes while Tucker made sexual comments about her and masturbated. His violation said she reopened 25-year-old wounds from her rape by four men, two Oregon State University football players, a junior college player, and a high school recruit. The idea that someone could know me and say they understand my trauma, but then reinflict that trauma on me is so disgusting to me. It's hard for me to even wrap my mind around it. It's like he sought me out just to betray me. Yeah, this dude is fucked. Oh my gosh, that pardon is my, bad. Pardon my French, there is no way and no way this man should not be fired like now. Like, oh I get, gosh. I get I understand the due process. I understand you want to make sure all the facts are laid out on the table. But this ain't looking good whatsoever. I mean, this wow. this is terrible. Speaking, speaking on Mel Tucker outside of the the that horrific scene, which I first of all, we do not condone that shit. Clocks in the stove, very fuck him for that. I don't understand the Mel Tucker hype in the first place. He had one year where Kenneth Walker literally carried their team. Then they signed him to like a ninety-two million dollar contract for nothing. He didn't even prove himself. He did one year, and then he has done what? He didn't even go to a bowl game last year, and they suck this year. This man like, let this man let Keon Coleman walk to the portal. That's what I'm saying. I don't understand. I don't understand the Mel Tucker hype. And and honestly, ever since Mark D'Antonio left, they've kind of been in some shambles. They've been in some shambles. But I hope all that gets figured out. Damn, that sucks. That's a really, really fucked up. Um, anyways, Washington's going to go on there and butt fuck them. So moving on from that, I have a hot take. I have a hot take and I'm going to drop it right now. We have number 11, Tennessee going to the swamp to play the Florida Gators on ESPN at 7 PM. Tennessee comes in at a minus six. And my hot take is I'm taking the Florida Gators plus six. Yes. I sound insane. Listen, the last time these two, the last time Graham Mertz and Joe Milton played, Joe Milton was the quarterback for Michigan, and Graham Mertz was the quarterback for Wisconsin, and Wisconsin went out there and destroyed them. Yes, that is no correlation to this. That's just a fun fact. <laughs> but these two teams have a history of upsetting each other in big games. We've seen it with over and over and over again in the past. This Tennessee – listen, Florida sucks. I'm not saying Florida's good. I'm saying that this Tennessee team sucks. They were they beat Austin Pay 30-13, to and they were up 13-6 to at halftime. And then they, they, yes, they ended up beating Virginia 49 to 13. That game was also 
21 to three at halftime over one of the worst FBS teams in college football in Virginia. They started off slow. Their whole thing is we have a high-powered offense. It ain't been high-powered. Also, they're going to the Swamp in a very, very, very big rivalry game between Tennessee and Florida. At night, at UF, these people, the fans are going to be electric. The team's going to be electric. It's going to be a boring-ass game, and I think maybe a weird turnover or something. Florida's going to edge it out. I'm taking Florida plus six. I just think that it's too much like Tennessee has it. It's a trap game. I really do think so, and I don't think Tennessee is the same Tennessee as last year, and everyone's gassing them up. And it'd be very fucking Florida Gators of them to be an average team and get one or two crazy upset wins. Yeah, I agree. This is one of those things where both these teams have kind of been off to slow starts. Um, You know, you look at Florida's last game, they were able to put some points up on the board against McNeese State, but they didn't even outscore the team that that McNeese State played the game before who put up 52 on them. And I believe that was, yeah, Tarleton State. So Tarleton State put up more points than the Florida Gators did um, on McNeese State. And look, I think the biggest issue right now that we have with Florida is their rushing attack is just non-existent. And I feel like a big part of that falls on Graham Mertz. Look, if you can't alleviate some of the pressure with your arm off your running back, of course, teams are going to stack the box and force you to beat them through the air because they simply just don't respect you. And why would they have a reason to? You really haven't shown anything. You know, I know Billy Napier is trying to game plan some things, trying to get the ball into his playmaker's hands. But at the same time, you know, you got to take shots at all parts of the field. You know, if you're living behind the line of scrimmage, we saw what happened with Willie Taggart. That that doesn't work. It's not going to win you games in the long run. And look, Florida and Tennessee both play in the SEC. Talent is bountiful. You're constantly going to get guys that sign your school. You have guys on your roster that can play. When is Florida going to actually take a shot on their backup? And how bad is their backup actually if he can't even beat Graham Mertz in practice? Like, maybe Billy Napier is like, you really don't want to see this because it could get a lot worse than it actually is. But look, we talked about Tennessee and their slow starts, but one of the things that I think helps Tennessee a lot is they do play a very up-tempo offense, and Billy Napier likes to substitute guys out on defense. And I don't think Tennessee is going to allow for that to happen if Milton's able to get the ball rolling for them on offense. Look, they can't afford to have a slow start. (laughs) Excuse me. They can't afford to have a slow start against this Florida team because, look, Sooner or later, you keep having slow starts. You're going to give Florida the ball with reasonable field position, and they only need to put like one or two first downs together before they're putting points on the board. And that's not going to help you. Look, I can't remember the last time that Tennessee has beaten Florida in Florida. I believe the game's in Florida, if I'm not mistaken. Tennessee has lost the last nine in a row in the Swamp. Yeah, and – Multiple of those games have come in like heartbreaking fashion. Yeah, I mean, like we're talking about the game. We're talking like Hail Mary's type shit. Will Greer to Antonio Callaway and Felipe Franks to, to Tyree Cleveland. Yeah. We're talking like sports center top 10. Like every time you look up best moments of the season, like those plays are in there. Like I'm be talking, a good fucking game. Gut wrenchers. And this is one of those games where, you know, one of the biggest reasons I love college football is history matters. Like, I don't care how far you are removed when you play a rival or a team that you have their number, I don't care what the rosters look like. It's just different. The fans it's remember in it. your head, regardless if you want to think about it or not, it's in your fucking head. Yeah. And it messes with you. Like, I don't care how much you practice for. I don't care how much you train for. When you step foot on that field, something is different in the environment. 
So look, I don't know if Florida is going to have some come to Jesus awakening. I don't know if Tim Tebow is going to possess Graham Mertz with the number 15. I don't know if the 15 powers haven't been transferred yet. I don't know what's going to happen. I'm not expecting anything, but I agree with you. I would not be surprised if Florida does how like somehow end up covering. But then again, Tennessee could like, this could be Joe Milton's breakout game. We don't yeah, know. They could also beat him by like 50. <laughs> yeah, Joe Milton could come out and throw like 800 yard bombs. And we would be yeah. like, oh my God, this is the most like insane thing I've ever seen in my life. But regardless, it's going to be entertaining. It's in the swamp. It's one of the loudest football environments in college football. It's going to be must watch TV, regardless of what the score is. Yeah. And I think it's, it's, it's going to yeah. be a great fucking game. I'm still rocking with Florida. And two things I want to point out. One, Tennessee has in the last nine at the Swamp have not won. That is going to weigh in your head. As someone that went to Jesuit, those Tampa Catholic boys remember like, oh, the streak, the streak, the streak. Like you said, regardless of if it's another generation, that shit's in your head. That is a real fucking factor. The other thing is the star center, which uh, the star center for Florida comes back this game, Kingsley Iguan, Iguacun. I'm sorry, I don't know if I mispronounced that. Um, and ETN, I mean, he started 26 games at center the last two seasons and ETN actually calls him the field general when it comes to the offense. That's going to also be a big factor in helping one, keep Mertz safe and two, establish that running game that you said was lackluster. They had 13 rushing yards versus Utah. That's dog shit. But I'm telling you, I just, there's something in the air. There's something in that, in that Gainesville swampy shithole area that they're going to win this game. I'm telling you, it, even if they don't, it's going to be a good game. These two teams have too much history. Yeah. Uh, last thing I'll say about this game is two good things can't happen for Florida fans. So, Matt, if UF wins, just know you are losing in fantasy. Like these, <laughs> these are the, you, the, the, there is there one is or no, the other, brother. Yeah, one or the other. You have you have a door. You have two doors in front of you. It's Florida success for a game, or you win in fantasy, and both cannot be true at the same time. So. Unfortunately, that's what you're stuck with, and that's the fate of your life. But that's what you get for being a Florida fan. We got one more game, and honestly, we don't even really got to dive into it. We just have to talk about it because it's college game day. We have Colorado State traveling to Colorado. This game is going to be at 10 o'clock on ESPN, number 18, Colorado. 10 o'clock because it's a West Coast game. Therefore, it'll be like 7 o'clock there. The line is over under 61. Colorado is coming in at a minus 23. If you don't remember – uh, Colorado State's head coach, uh, Jay Norvell, used to be the old Nevada coach, brought all of his Nevada guys over, and has not done shit since he's been there. Their own one on the year. I couldn't even tell you the last time they won a game. They're terrible. Um, and he goes out there. I don't know if you saw this, and he started bashing Dion today, or maybe it was yesterday, talking about how he's unprofessional and he cares more about ESPN. He's talking to his guys like, yeah, it's cool knowing that we're going to be on sports center and it's cool knowing we're college game day and all this. He goes, but my mom taught me when you talk to other grownups, cause I'm a grownup, you take your hat and glasses off. So like, first of all, I'm taking Colorado minus 23. They're going to beat them by a hundred. And I've been reading memes that are like, Dion's about to come out with like a huge pair of glasses and a giant hat <laughs> for media day, just to piss that guy off. I understand the guy's point of view. It's he's getting free media. Like even though it's bad media, he's getting exposure on his program. They're gonna get routed. And let's be honest, college football, ESPN, college game day, sports entities want Colorado to route them. Like this is a toss up. Here's a college game day to explode your program, Dion. 
boom. You know, it, it that's exactly what it is. This isn't a competitive game. Both teams know it's not a competitive game. Everyone, my, my mom right here knows it's not a competitive game. She doesn't even know the teams. She knows it's not a competitive game. Colorado's going to go out there and route them. We're going to keep the Shador Sanders hype going. We're going to keep the Travis Hunter hype going. And I believe Colorado's next game is a legitimate test. Yeah, so they have this game. Then they have – they're at Oregon, which is where they kind of start their, like, trail of hard games. They're going to blow them out of the water. Calling this a rivalry game makes absolutely no sense. Yeah, Colorado had one win last year. You know who was against? Colorado. Colorado. <laughs> I think the Buffs are a little better this year, just a little bit better. And, you know, Dion came out this week and he, he said, we want to exceed expectations, which is code word for I'm going to let Shadur air that shit out yeah. for 450 and 5. Okay, Tra- Travis down there somewhere. Yeah, no, he's going to let – he's literally going to make sure his son is number one on all the Heisman polls. He's going to be like, this is the game where we put people on the map. He's like, this is one of those games where you stat pad the shit out of your entire team so where you just look that much better at the end of the year. And I got no problem with it. Treat this as – treat this like a massacre. This is your – this is your tune-up game. And look, Colorado State even came out and said, last time that we played in Colorado, we won – 23 to 17 well that was back in 2009 um that that was a long time ago that that was a we were in fifth grade <laughs> yeah yeah i don't even know who the i don't even know who the players were oh no, they that. were solid then because that's when they had uh jim McElwain, and then they they uh he went to uf after that they were they were decent yeah yeah this quote um was funny. He said, it's just tremendous getting this opportunity and allowing the nation to see that we are the, we are more than capable of doing a sufficient and a great job, which pretty much means that everything we've done wrong in past games, we're going to make look like they never happened this game. Like, and honestly, I feel like what ESPN is doing is kind of smart. You know, they continuously put the lines close enough to where people are like, Oh, I guess Colorado isn't that good. And then when they blow the spread out of the water, they're like, "Oh my God, Colorado's a top five team in the no, country." Yeah, they're doing no, they're doing it on purpose. They're a hundred percent doing it on purpose. Yeah, dude, I see videos like like it'll be like game highlights, and people will react to them like, "Dude, I, I want to see Florida State play Colorado." And I'm like, "All right, slow your roll, buddy. Slow your roll, slow your roll, slow your roll." I'm not saying they can't get there. I'm not saying they can't get there. Don't want to talk bad about anyone, but <clears throat> it's not going to be close. Yeah. Regardless, <laughs> regardless. I think what Dion is doing, look, he proved me wrong. If we went back to our week one, I talked about how it's going to take time and Dion isn't going to have them boys there yet when uh, quite obviously they may be there right now for all we know. Like they're playing at top at a top level. They have athletes all across the board. They're playing quality football. I could give two shits what Colorado State has to bring to the table. You are just the sacrificial lamb for my personal enjoyment. And this is a 10 p.m. game. So they're literally going to treat you like dessert and wipe the floor with you oh and it's so smart business-wise to make them at 10 p.m because they're gonna have so many more views because they're gonna put this earlier florida tennessee is gonna get more views the south has more football fans putting it at 10 everyone's gonna be watching this game you know what i mean so they're gonna kill them the, the one thing i want to bring up too real quick before we move on because this is the last game we talk about how colorado has athletes we knew that was gonna happen the thing that impresses me the most is their is their o-line and d-line that's where we thought they would struggle the most. That's where we, we knew they had the athletes. Dion brought his his Louis bags with him. You know, he talked about that. He brought his luxury. But it's it's the fact that their O-line and D-line look so good. I mean, 
is their O-line and D-line great? I mean, they're not spectacular, but they're good enough to let their athletes get open and make the plays they need to make, and that's all they need. That's all they need. They don't need to be spectacular. And, and you look at it against Nebraska, yeah, I understand Nebraska is not a phenomenal team, but they're extremely well coached with Matt Rule, and they got big boys. Like, that is Big Ten football is the trenches, and they played fine. So there's not a single way in the world I could see Colorado State doing anything. There's just not. I will I will add this because I did see this. So the Rams, Colorado State, have dropped 23 straight games to teams in the AP Top 25. Their last AP Top 25 win, August 31st, 2002, against number seven, Colorado. Mm. Mm, add a little mm. Mm, mm, history is doomed to repeat itself yeah this is like this is like if you gave hitler the infinity stones like yeah, <laughs> a lot different history yeah he's gonna fucking make something happen yeah <laughs> <laughs> all right back from our little break um so we're done with our slate of college football games but there is one more topic i want to address and this has more so to do with the nfl but it does in part roll into football overall and that has to do with turf fields so as you all probably know Aaron Rodgers did sustain a Achilles tear um on Monday night football against the Bills only played 75 seconds and four plays into the year before his season was abruptly injured and look I understand why turf fields became so popular because look the NFL is always about making money it always has been. If you look at even the college level games now with how they've cut back pace of play just to fit in more advertising, the motivation is always money. And it always has been no matter, no matter how you want to draw it up. Players are getting paid more. Coaches are getting paid more. Everyone is making more money because the product is just so good. And people are always going to be reaching in, uh, in someone else's pocket. The huge addition to turf fields was the maintenance wasn't as much as an upkeep. It was easier to host other events outside of football without completely destroying the field. It just made a lot of sense um, from a business perspective to switch to turf because it was just a lot. There was a lot more money at stake. You're aesthetic pleasing to it as well. Yeah, it is very aesthetic. You know, it looks better. Um, But the problem is, is there is significant scientific research that backs this. But there has been such a huge growth in non-contact injuries thanks to turf fields. And the reason for that is turf just doesn't have a lot of give to it. You know, it's really hard to like the, the field itself just doesn't allow your body not real. Yeah. It's not real. It's rubber. It, you're yeah. literally rubbing on rubber on top of. There's also been so many cases of, of, of kids um, overheating as well as cleats melting and, and other fatigued injuries due to the fact of the temperature. I mean, what that new team in uh New York, your team in New York, they, their field was 124 degrees. Yeah. That's just not safe. That's not, that's not real. That's not what you should be playing on. Yeah. And you know, the excuses have kind of been worn out for why teams don't have grass fields anymore. Um, One of the best examples that I want to look at too. And if you haven't seen this, I highly recommend you go watch it. Um, Real Madrid's soccer field is full grass, but it's fully retractable. So after games, the field literally opens up and the field goes underground where it has full UV lights. It's in a full greenhouse. It's properly moistured and lighting to keep it pristine year round. And guess what? The stuff that comes out over top of it, they're covered. They can still host events on top of that. And it was only like I say only, but it was a $270 million renovation 
but every team in the NFL can afford that. They all that. have that. They all have that money. The NFL they has all that have that money. money. Yeah. And another thing about soccer, and we call it soccer because we're Americans. That's just what we do. But when you look at soccer, there are literally the top athletes in the world at soccer that have written in their contracts that they will not play on turf fields because it is too much of a risk on their body. We're talking about people that run around miles for 90 minutes and they will not step foot on these fields because they know that it could completely ruin their lives from non-contact injuries. But yet we play one of the most physically demanding sports in the world in football. And we just think that it's going to be all fine and dandy, you know, and look, I'm not saying the NFL is always making steps in the wrong direction. I know we have tried to improve and are making improvements on the concussion side of things. And we're trying to fix, you know, player health, player overall health, things like that. But why are we still cutting corners when it comes to stuff like this? Like, I don't get it. By now, teams need to be start making the move back to grass fields. I think the switch in the first place was way too fast. I think every team kind of just adopted it out the gate just because they were like, oh, more money, easy fix. No, no reason to even think twice about it. But now that the data has kind of expressed itself, there's no reason to keep using it. It's done nothing but proven to be issues. I know it's easier to maintain through bad weather. But then when bad weather does happen, you can't even have guys stay on their feet. You know, you look at this last Super Bowl, how many players could you count that slipped and fell during the middle of plays? That unacceptable. Or you have to stop the game, like uh, the Ohio State-Georgia game. Had to stop the game because like part of the end zone came undone and they had to have a whole field crew come out and like shovel rubber pellets underneath. Like they were just, oh my God, we got to, we got to make sure this is all level. The bag of ice broke. Yeah, bag of ice broke. Like your field's completely like destroyed after like one minor inconvenience. Like, oh, oh, but it's too much money if our players run little shuttle drills and our cleats tear up the grass. Like, I, I don't really understand that, but that's just me. I hope to see everyone move the switch back to grass. I like to, I like to see when it gets rain. You have your mud games. You get a little muddy, a little slip and slide. That's football, brother. That's football right there. That's football. But regardless, that wraps up our news in terms of collegiate sports, collegiate football, I should say, and our NFL news in that one little segment. So moving on, we have our last segment of the day, and that will be our draft. Now, I've been thinking about this for a while. I know this may be a copy to a, another podcast that I'm not going to say out loud. Just kidding. Uh, I believe they did this on part of my take. But it's such a good idea, and there were so many left off the board that I feel like we need to discuss it. So our draft topic today is if you died and you got to see stats of your entire life, what stats would you want to see? I think there's a lot of interesting stats throughout my life that I would like to know once my time is said and done. There's still stats I'm piling on. I You could say I'm a stat pattern in a sense for a lot of things. So I, I would like to know, Grayson, what are some things you would like to see some stats of when it's all said and done? Um, You want to, you want to start us off with this one? Yeah. Um, I'm going to keep it, I'm going to keep it a little timid for round one. You know, I, I may get a little wild towards the later ones, but, uh, my number one is going to see is going to be, um, amount of food consumed in pounds. I want to know throughout my entire life, how much food I've eaten in my entire life. Um, and you know, we can break it down to like the macros and stuff like that. I want to see like how much sugar I've had in my life. 
I want to know the carbs. I want to know the protein. You know, I want to, I want to know where I rank amongst my food consumption. I'm going to, I'm going to piggyback off of that. And I'm going to go with amount of alcohol I've consumed in volume. Um, I would also like to see a chart that breaks it down by which kind of alcohol, um, you know, which one got me drunk the most, which one didn't get me the most drunk, which one was more leisure. You know, I'd like to see my alcohol consumption breakdown. Interesting. Um, my number two is, and we're just going to jump right into it because I think this is uh, probably my most needed one, is amount of girls I could have gotten yes. in life. Yes. That yeah. you didn't know yeah. who had the shot with, but you really yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, and I need I need specific names. Like if I see a name on there where it's like, yeah, you totally could have got with this girl, I'm going to be like, oh my God, I sold. Yeah. Like I, I sold so hard. And there's probably a lot. There's probably honestly a lot just because I was – you know, a little bit of a pussy, you know, not, not willing to take the deep shots per se. So, you know, I feel like there's a lot left to be desired on that stat. I feel like that's, that, that's going to be one that breaks my heart, but it's a, it's a reality check. You know, I need, I need that. I need to see that. So thing. So yeah, I'm going to, what do we label that as just <laughs> girls? Girls, you girls I could have gotten with. Yeah. Girls I could have gotten with. Uh, um, is a good... for, for my number two, I'm going to go with total amount of money made. I don't want to go, I don't want to look at like, you know, well, I made a hundred dollars by to pay a $50 bill. No, just straight up. How much money was I like made throughout my life, whether it was like coaching or or job, or even if it was like birthday gifts, I want to know how much money, if you put it from the second I was born to the second I died, total income I brought in together combined. Mm, okay. Total amount of money made. I like that. I like that. You know, try try to see where your guap's at. Yeah, uh, yeah. At the, it's your uh, money. I'm not your funny. I'm your. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we may have to cut that. Uh, anyway. Um, you never remember, seen that video? Yes, I've seen it. It was just the imitation of the growl just was so missed. Like I th- like if that was baseball, you definitely swung and missed at that. Unfortunately. <laughs> um, my number three would be. Um, how many lives I impacted in a positive way. I was thinking of something like that too. Yeah. I was thinking of something yeah, like something that. sentimental, you know, time to turn it around. I would like to know, you know, whether I made someone smile, whether I was a positive impact and whether it be a kid passing by just based off something I did for someone else, just how many people throughout my life did I impact in a positive light? I would like to know. I was going to say, I'm not going to use this because it's too similar, but I was going to say how many total, how many people considered me their friend. That's mm, what I was going to say. Yeah. It's kind of like the same thing. So I won't use it, but that's what I was thinking. Like how many, how many people out there? Cause there's definitely people out there that like you're cool with, but you wouldn't really be like, they're my friend or you don't even really know them that well, but they look at you as their friend, you know? Um, I'm not, I, I didn't mean to come off that in like a cocky way. I meant it in like more of an endearing way. Um, the other oh damn, I just had one. I I lost it. Um this is number four, right? You're on three. No, I did three. Amount of alcohol consumed and total money made. Oh, I thought I did a different one for my first one. Um I wanna know um how many balls I've ever thrown. How many how many times I've thrown a football or a baseball or, or even shot at a basketball, the amount of attempts at for a pass pass attempts yeah the amount the amount of total balls thrown yes pause um <laughs> in a lifetime 
Yeah, you, you need to get those numbers up, buddy. Um, <laughs> my number four uh, is interesting. I want to know the total amount of people in the world I could be in hand-to-hand combat. Mm, that's a good one. That's like, good. if you were to just line me up against every human being just in a one-on-one environment, just empty room, how many could I take? I feel like it would be a very humbling experience, but at the same time, I'd be like, I think I think your number would be higher than you think. Yeah, because because like in America, probably not because we're the steroid use of the world. But yeah. if you go to like some European countries and some Asian countries, they're all tiny and scrawny. Like like you know that's why I think um, you do pretty well. My number four, I want to know the amount of time total I've I've done driving. the amount of total time i've had either driving or in a car in general just like transporting yeah so amount of total time driving slash spent in car yes that is a good one um we're on the last one now right yeah fifth and final round these are the championship rounds. These are where you got to make a count. I'm trying to think of just a banger to end off on. Um, hmm. Well, I got a good one, kind of. I mean, it's kind of similar to them, but I'm gonna I'm gonna rock with it regardless. Yeah, I'm gonna go. My fifth one, kind of similar to yours. I want to go though. How much total time I spent sleeping? Oh, see, when- I was thinking on the toilet. Ah, damn, damn. That's a good one. But yeah, I'm going to go with total time spent sleeping. You Whether it be naps, whether it be quick, just resting my eyes, whatever you want to call it, just the amount of time in my life that I spent as a koala, just wasting away. I think it's one third of your life or something like that. Yeah, that's insane. That's so sad. Um, I'm going to go with the amount of times I put a smile on someone's face. Yeah. Yeah. The amount of times I did something and someone was like, that was awesome. Or like, that was cool. Yeah. Amount of times I've made someone smile. All right. Honorable mention now, cause we don't have to be so sentimental. Um, I definitely want to know how much cum I've released in my entire life. Oh my gosh. We're done. We're <laughs> done. We're done. That's uh, it. Bond. That's it. Bond. Specifically. I want to know in leaders. I just want to know in leaders. Could I fill a swimming pool? Maybe. Oh my gosh. Maybe. Maybe. Um, may- definitely an amount of time on the toilet. Ooh, ooh. Um, how many swimming pools do you think you could have filled up with the amount of shits you've taken in your life? How about piss? What about both? <laughs> like, are we combining or are we doing like one for piss and one for shit? <laughs> it, it, interesting, interesting. Um, does the piss deteriorate the poo at all? Because if that's the case, then I definitely want it separate. I have a good one. Um, the amount of times I've pissed my parents off. Oh, I, I just piss people off in general. I want to know, <laughs> I, I know how many times that people have gone home and been like, man, fuck that kid. It's just, I want to kill that guy. Gone home. I live with my parents and they say Ooh, that's a good one. How many people, how many murderers you've crossed in your life? Or how oh. many? Because like, they say you pass like a good amount of serial killers. I want to know yeah. how. Many, I want to know how many. 
I want to know how many weirdos I've passed in my life. Yeah. Like maybe, maybe, how maybe many, not, not even like murderers, just like horrible people that you've met in your life. Yeah, like child diddlers or something like that. Something bad. Something bad. Yeah, something bad. I feel like there's a big one we're missing. There probably is. There's probably a lot that we're missing. Yeah. Um, times we've just missed celebrities. Yeah, I feel like that number wouldn't be as high as you think. Yeah, that'd probably be like low twenties on the list. That might not even crack the top twenty-five. Well, how many minutes? How how many? No, I want to say minutes. Just total time I spent either just just watching sports because that shit's got to be high. Yeah. I, in my youth, I would devote an entire Saturday from nine a.m. until fucking three in the morning after the Pac-12 game, just straight up watching college football. Yeah, yeah, that'd be solid. Um, I'm trying to think of like one more. But we we got some pretty solid ones. Yeah, we got some good ones. We got some that uh we'll probably get canceled for too, though. Yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I I think that that's about it. Maybe another stat I could find out is how much time I've spent dedicating my life to this podcast. Because probably when it's all said and done, it's gonna be like a third of my life, give or take. But hey, we do it because we love to do it. Third of our life dedicated to this podcast, resulting in getting zero bitches. Hmm. Ain't, ain't that the truth? <laughs> Sacrifices were made. Sacrifices have been made. Uh, clocks on the stove. College football week three. 101. 101.